I'm Helen Farmer. This is the Farmer's Kitchen podcast, your chance to catch up on some seriously delicious foodie chat. We were talking about a new collaboration that brings art and sustainability together with High Life Dubai creator Claire Napper, her latest work for Spinneys, taking you to Argentina at Tomoka, finding out more about things happening here in Hatter on the activity and the food front. And it was all about Donna Kebabs with one half of the husband and wife team behind a brand new business. Prepare to feel very hungry indeed. Plus the latest food news, where you should be going this weekend and beyond. And talking tomatoes. Plus, loved your messages about going down a culinary memory lane. Your favourite bits from your lunchboxes of the past. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. In conversation now with artist and graphic designer Claire Napper. She set up her own branding and design business before launching High Life Dubai. You will have no doubt seen her designs. Vintage style prints inspired by expat life here in the UAE. And she's the artist behind a fantastic new multi-use bag collaboration with Spinneys. How are you, Claire? Hi, Helen. I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Congratulations on the launch. It looks absolutely fantastic. Now, before we talk bags, let's talk about you. Tell us a little bit about High Life Dubai, where the idea came from and and how it's evolved over the years. Goodness. Well, it's been going on now for about nine years. So Mm. back in 2014, um, I had just left advertising, been there for seven years, and um, I had fallen in love with the posters of the London Underground when I was working on the launch of the Dubai Metro. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I left, I thought, because we had sort of, um, we presented this as a a kind of concept for RTA um, to launch the Metro, but they weren't that interested. So I thought when I left, oh, I'll do it myself, but with kind of social commentary in mind. So I launched these High Life posters, a kind of self-initiated project. And then as soon as I launched them, they kind of took off. And that was massively, uh, sort of, massively yeah, nine off. years ago. Which ones have been the big hits over the, over the years? Because you've done Ooh. geographical, you've done some you know, themes and events. Which, which are some of your favorites and what, what's been popular with the... With, with um, I have to say, I think the best sellers have probably been the Friday brunch, although that's now Saturday brunch, but that's always <laughs> a big seller. Um, there's been a few, the um, day tripping, so sort of doing trips out, um, doing visa runs and things like that. That was a popular one. And then actually recently, um, the Al Qudra, the cycling one was very popular, nice. much to my surprise. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't be. Cyclists are passionate about their community know, and their very so early many. weekend habits. Yeah. So you, you, you've tapped into something there. We've got, as soon as I walk in my front door, I see your Um Sakim poster every single day and I oh, love it. So love it. I'm really excited to be able to see your designs across spinnies as well. So tell us about the collaboration. Why were you interested in working on that kind of sustainable product? Well, um, I mean, I'm very lucky now that I'm getting on a bit that I can kind of pick and choose what collaborations mm. I do. So I really want to do ones where... I can have fun um, and I kind of believe in the product. Um, and so having worked with Spinneys for the last sort of three years, putting my products in there over Christmas time, um, I love Spinneys. And then they said, well, would you design um, uh, one of our bags for life? And so I thought, brilliant. Um, you know, it's got a great, uh, I've been working with a great company called um, Save the Planet and they do really high quality bags. So I thought, why not? Um, it's a chance to have and fun so um yeah, yeah it's kind of it, different it, to my normal posters but yeah. i was gonna say that the the the, um, the dimensions of it are obviously different to a poster but still that kind of tongue-in-cheek feel tell us a little bit can you paint us a picture about you know what inspired you and, and what that end result looks like 
So I kind of, building on kind of my high life posters, which cover kind of little Dubai, you know, all the Dubai themes, I wanted to take out the little details from these posters and kind of celebrate them in a really colorful way. Um, so just kind of making a bag of life out here, um, little details that are unique to the UAE. So it's kind of also a mishmash of different decorative art styles. I thought doing a bag, instead of doing a poster, I'll do a kind of more decorative um, style. And I kind of pulled on um, many different sort of styles from across the world, like Mexican folk art, um, Sicilian painted carts, um, and Pakistani painted buses. So it's got that kind of look and feel. Um, but yeah, just kind of have fun, really, and kept it into the kind of spinny's color palette. And um, yeah, you've got shisha pipes, you've got barbecues. There's um, a boat on there, and your neighbour's cockerel, I understand, is making a cameo oh, yeah. on this bag. <laughs> yeah, this is when I lived in Jumeirah. I lived in Jumeirah for seven years, and um, every morning I'd get woken up by the neighbour's cockerel. So he's got pride of place on it. Um, what else have got? Got uh, the kind of Shakeside Road and the Jumeirah Beach Road, which has got a special place in my heart. Um, and camel in a truck? Also, yeah, oh yeah, camel just hanging out on the back of one of those Toyota pickup trucks. Yeah. It's such a lovely thing to have for residents of the UAE, but I also think it's a bit of a souvenir item. It's a, it's a fab one. And I say this even though I cannot stand our neighbour's cockerel. <laughs> so this is a real, this is a real compliment from me Claire um tell us a little bit then let's get if you don't mind a minute to get nerdy how did you have to think about using colors differently for the for the medium or you know how did did you have to approach it in a different way they would do a poster yeah it is slightly because you're working with kind of you know a factory that produced bags um it's always better to kind of use simple colors um to get a better print result so it was definitely a more limited palette um, and all the icons are kind of drawn slightly differently, just in like a vector. Um, so it's just a bit more crisp and kind of jumps out at you, the design, which is, um, yeah, slightly different way of working. And lastly, I know you've just released this. Um, what's next for you? What else are you working on? Because I know you never stop. Anything else we need to know about, Claire? Yeah. So um, I mean, I've got, obviously, still always working on high life posters, even though I always say this is the end of the collection. I'm probably <laughs> going to carry on doing them for a while. But I'm doing Nadal Sheba. Um, I'm doing one about camping in the desert and Dubai Hills. But um, more excitingly, um, I'm going to, this is on a, kind of had lots of customers kind of asking me to customize the posters. So even though I couldn't do that over the years, I've now, I'm now working with a company and we're bringing out the new function on the High Life website where you can actually uh, design your own poster. So you can move things around, you can add dates and things for when people have been in Dubai. And um, hopefully that will be kind of an interesting feature. So looking forward That's to launching That's a brilliant that. idea for welcome gifts, farewell gifts, yeah. and just a souvenir yeah. to make it really personal for you and your family. Claire Napa, yeah. thank you so, so much. Um, I've had a couple of messages going, um, is there a website? Yes, well, I can certainly give you Instagram and website. If you go on Instagram, it's High Life Posters, and it's highlife-dubai.com. The bags look fantastic, so adding a bit of style to your sustainability. Claire, have a lovely weekend ahead. Absolute pleasure yeah, to catch you up. Too, Take Helen. care. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks. High life posters, I have to say, such a a kind of a fixture in our home and great that they're going to be in store too. The Chef's Table. We're meeting the head chef behind Tomoka and Kanya by Tomoka, Chef Cesar Bartolini. Originally from Argentina, he's worked with Gordon Ramsay at the Bread Street Kitchen, has also worked on the plain food and before taking over this gorgeous spot at the Ritz-Carlton. Um, chef Cesar, thank you for joining us. I know I know um, Friday afternoons are hectic for you, chef, so I do value your time. How are things in the kitchen today? 
Hi, Helen. It's lovely to be on the show again. And um, Friday, we're around the corner from a weekend. Um, very exciting. Um, weather is getting awesome. Uh, yes, that is. So, you know, <laughs> looking it's all, forward it's all... to, to open uh, all the beach again and stuff. I know. I feel like feel like that exciting eating out season is just around the corner. And um, before we talk, what's on the menu, chef? Let's talk about you. Tell us a little bit about Argentinian food, some of the flavor profiles, and what you were eating growing up. Can you take us back there? Sure. Um, we have a little bit of a mixed uh, culture, to be honest, because um, you know we were very influenced by um, by the Spanish, uh, a lot of Italian. Uh, and stuff, um, obviously a little bit of the Latin American uh, mm-hmm. up, up north. Um, so it's a little bit of a mix, d- depending on which part of the country you you go to. Um, but um, to be honest, um, you know, predominantly it's, um, like Spanish and, and, and Italian influences. Um, a lot of meat, a lot of... Uh, barbecue we love our barbecue and stuff um <laughs> it's like a sado so, yes um so so all of that to be honest and you then have traveled the world as a chef where did you call home before you arrived in dubai um half most more than half of my my life i i, I was based in the uk um so uh, pretty much U- uk is, is is my my like my second home to be honest mm-hmm. um so all around the uk there and my 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 wife and the kids obviously that that they're back from from the uk as well um so that that will be my second home um before reaching dubai um but i'm, I'm not planning to go anywhere good, other than good, dubai good, good. anytime soon we're lucky to have you here tell us a little bit about what you've been working on what was what was the goal with Tamoka before you opened up, what was what was your mission with it, Chef? Tamoka is obviously a, a little bit of a kind of new concept. We we weren't trying to to copy anything else on the market, uh, so we're trying to to do this type of cuisine that um, you know it, you, you don't find it anywhere else. Uh, pretty much around around the city here, um, we touch a lot of uh, in the Caribbean and Peel's cuisine. Um, and we incorporated the, the Latin American and a little bit of Central American as well, player um, uh, as well there. So, you know, even if uh, we focus a lot of on ceviches, meat, and and a lot of South American and Caribbean elements there, the, the flavor profile is, is very different that you will find in um, some of the other Peruvian or mm-hmm. um, Mexican restaurants um, around the city. Chef says we haven't got much time, unfortunately, so I, you've got a, about a minute to make us hungry. If we're going to come to Tomoka over the weekend, what are some of the star dishes that you're really excited to be cooking up and serving? Go on, make us hungry. All right. So uh, from from the recent menu, I'll name you a few. We have a lovely, like, coboleta asada with enduya, and uh, homemade cornbread, um, chicken and scallops anticuchos. We should try a little bit something fresh, like our signature uh, ceviche trio, uh, where you can pick and mix uh, your favorite ceviche. Um, and then I will go 
for to share uh, for our team uh, Siva. Um, it's wrapped in banana leaf. We, we, we bake it nicely and you have a, a lovely uh, brown shrimp salsa to go with it. Oh, that sounds delicious. And one dessert. I know it's going to be difficult to choose just one, but for a sweet end to our Friday afternoon, what dessert at Tomoko should we be ordering? Um, rum cake, uh, Caribbean there. Uh, if you like ice cream, you should try this. Yes. Don Pedro so or some taste chocolate. Of the tropical. Thank you so much, Caesar. Really, really appreciate it. All the very best to you and the team. As I said, can't wait for the beach to be open there and feel like we're on our holidays right here in the UAE. Have a great, great afternoon. Get back into the kitchen and uh, we'll see you at your place next time, I hope. Thank you so much, Chef Caesar, speaking to us from Tomoka at the Ritz-Carlton. We're broadcasting live from Hazard this afternoon as part of our ultimate road trip and it's going to be an absolutely fantastic couple of days. The season is opening, more and more happening here in Hatta as the temperature cools down and more and more options of places to stay. To tell us more, Rudy Sabra is here, the Vice President for Asset Management to Dubai Holding Hospitality Assets and we're going to be speaking to an adjudicator for the Guinness World Records very soon as well. No spoilers though. Rudy, thank you for having us today at your second home of Hatta. How are you? Hello, thank you for having me. Well, you, we are broadcasting live from the Dome Tent. Now, there are some amazing accommodation options around in Hatta. Can you talk us through them? Because I still feel like people are like, I want to come to Hatta, but do I want to stay in the trailer? Do I want to stay in the lodge? Shall I go to the hotel? Yeah. T- t- talk us through the glamping. Well, uh, Hatta since 2018 has a lot to offer now. So there's a lot of uh, different type of accommodation. You have your five-star hotel, you have a mid-market hotel, and you have your glamping experience, which... Uh, uh, most of it is in the vicinity of uh, Wadi Hop. Uh, so there's um, four type of uh, accommodation, glamping experience in, in, in uh, Wadi Hop, and then one in next to uh, uh, the Hatta Dam. Okay? So if we start in the Hatta Dam, we have really nice, um, uh, I want to say like, uh, you, you know, the word is trailer, it doesn't sell it. It doesn't do it yeah. justice. It's like an Instagram moment. Yeah, but what I'm going to do to it, I'm going to just add a few words. Go it's on. a classic. It is a classic. Trailers that have been bought in 1980s, 1970s and converted to a bedroom. So it's not just a trailer. It's a classic American trailer that been converted to a bedroom. And then we have 13 of them on the bed of uh, Hatadam, which is really good looking. So that's just up the road. And then we're here at Wadi Hub this afternoon. Yeah. We've got the beautiful lodges kind of nestled into the mountains yeah. behind us. And that's where I stayed last time. It's with your favourite you had I on your Instagram. I loved it. I loved uh, yeah, it. Standing next to the door. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it was because the views are just so special to wake up and see sunrise and yeah. to be able to spot goats down, you know, it's and then pop down and have some fun in the Wadi Hub. We, yeah. I was not good at axe throwing. That was my only <laughs> my only issue. So th- we've got the lodges up here and we're in the dome tent right here. Yeah, so what we did, we tried to create uh, different experiences in terms of uh, glamping in, around Wadi Hub. So you have your lodges, as you said, we have 20 of them and they're scattered around like four mountains, very uh, uh, secluded from each other, mm-hmm. you know, give you this privacy, give you like um, uh, the, the living in, in the mountain, uh, mountain the hat the Hajar Mountain, and then you have the the, the, the dome uh, in the in, in the wadi, which you know is good for families. It's safe. Got the kids can run out. Pit outside. Yeah, nice seating areas, and then you have your American caravan as well, which is a little bit of luxury. And then you know you have the whole experience of of taking your kids and experience an American RV, you know, and up in nature. 
There's been an awful lot going on over the summer. It's supposed to be a quiet time, but not at, not in Hatta. Um, you've been introducing, in fact, a bit of a, a pioneer in the region with the Aerial Adventure Park. Tell us more about that. What makes it special and why should we be coming? Well, the Aerial Adventure Park has uh, been in the making for, for some time because of the design and the stuff that we're trying, all the elements that we're trying to put in these activities. So the Aerial uh, Park is 90 meter high. Oh, wow. Uh, it's four floors and then you have a decking on the top where you can do like birthdays it's like you know breathtaking the view from there and it's a multi-purpose activities in there so there's six activities in one structure and then takes you two hours to complete all the rope activities three zip line free fall back jump have you have you had a go, Rudy? Not yet. Uh, you've <laughs> got to you've got to try it. Yeah, you've got to try it. Sure. Um, I think that sounds fantastic because then you're definitely going to earn your barbecue. You know, yeah, two hours yeah. of activity. Yeah. I mentioned the axe throwing there. What other activities are happening around Wadi Hub? Well, there's a lot of activities. There's around 25 activities oh. around Wadi Hub. Uh, for me, you know, when people ask me what you want to do in, in Hatta when you come, the first thing I say, you have to go hiking. You have to go mountain biking. You have to go kayaking. And everything else you do after in Wadi Hub, it's, mm-hmm. just, it's just a plus. So you have your archery, you have your zorbing, you have your axe, as you mentioned earlier, climbing wall, twin zip line. Water slide. Uh, water, water slide. This year we have the um, uh, uh, giant swing as well. So oh. we'll open again this year. We'll have bungee trampoline as well. It's going to open. So we have loads of activities is opening this year. New addition to Hatta Wadi Hub. What I've really enjoyed about Hatta over the years is just how accessible it makes being active. I think a lot of people go, I would love to camp or I would love to hike or I'd love to go out on the mountain bike, but I feel a bit intimidated because I don't know where I'm going or yeah. I don't know how to do it. Yeah. And, you know, with all of the routes... You know, and especially with the mountain bike, you know that teams work so hard to put together those trails. Correct, yeah. um, it it really kind of makes the outdoors feel less intimidating. Does that make yeah, sense? Hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's all signposted now. You can uh, uh, get the map uh, before you go hike or mountain bike. It's very accessible. There's different trails for uh, depending on if you're advanced or first time you go on hike. You can go on the green. It's very easy around Wadi up seven eight kilometers so it's very accessible and it's very easy you shouldn't be intimidated not at all well as i said thank you for having us we're really excited about the next couple of days i'm really excited to be welcoming some dubai eye listeners to come along for our ultimate road trip now we've got an, another special guest uh really Sarah, thank you so so much for joining us really thank really appreciate it um and joining us now from the guinness world records we've got official adjudicator uh candy elderfrari with us today now we can't say too much because it's still It's still bubbling away behind the surface. But I understand there is an exciting attempt for a Guinness World Record happening about it right here in Hatta. What can you say right now? Yes, of course. Uh, Thank you so much for having me, first of all. It's uh, it's an exciting day here in Hatta. The weather is uh, better than Dubai. (laughs) It is. Um, I watched watched the the, uh, thermometer on my clock, on my car, just drop down as we were climbing up. I was like, yes, (laughs) we're we're four or five degrees cooler. This is awesome. (laughs) Yes. So actually today, um, Dubai Holding will be attempting a new Guinness World Record uh, title, which is for the tallest landmark sign. Uh, the Hatta spelling, which is on Hajar Mountains. And uh, this record is a new records title, which means that there's a minimum requirement that needs to be achieved in order for them to break the record. And that minimum requirement is 16 meters in height. So there will be a surveyor on ground today, and the surveyor will be measuring each letter of the Hatta sign. And then he will be taking the average uh, number in height. And then if that number breaks the 16 meters, then... Only then I can award them the record. However, this is not the only 
requirement. There's a set of rules and guidelines that they need to be following in order for them to break the record. Can I ask you, how on earth do you become an adjudicator for the Guinness World Records? It sounds like such an interesting job, but how did, what was your path to it? So when I was young, I loved Guinness uh, World Records book. You I think too. myself, like everyone else, has, you know, what everyone were, what, has the what book. What were your favourite ones? Mine were like longest fingernails. Longest nails, <laughs> longest hair, uh, you know, the tallest person. I, I, I loved all of them. I think the achievements are uh, very, very, very mesmerising and fascinating. Um, so I think I've manifested the job since I was uh, a young uh, child. But yeah, I'm super into uh, uh, motivation speaking and uh, emceeing. So I uh, went in as an MC, and then they just said, you know what, you could be an incredible adjudicator. So that's how it started. But surely there's got to be an awful lot of training because you're effectively awarding something that could be life-changing for somebody or, or, or some place. What happens behind the scenes to get you to this, this level? Of course, the training is actually very extensive and very thorough. Uh, there's so many different categories in Guinness World Records. There's food categories, there's mass participation, there's individual records, and adjudicators need to be very well prepared for each and every single category. So the training process is really intense, and that's why there are only 42 adjudicators in the whole entire world. Wow. Well, thank you so much. I'm really intrigued to see, because when are we going to know, Kanti? When When's it going to be announced? So right now, uh, the measurements are about to happen, <gasps> and oh uh, we will see. So later, later this evening. Watch this space. I'll tell you what, we'll do what we can to share that on the Dubai Eye Instagram. Will it happen for Hatta? And what could that mean for the future? Again, just fantastic to be broadcasting live. Kanzi, really, thank you so, so much for your time. My pleasure. And uh, wishing you both a wonderful weekend. Now get up to that sign, get measuring, and we'll keep our fingers crossed. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. It is a very special Farmer's Kitchen today. We are broadcasting live from Hatta, out and about of the studio, meeting people, meeting lots of you, because it's the weekend of our ultimate road trip. We're going to be starting the day tomorrow at JA Hatter Fort Hotel. And it's going to be, well, we're going to be finding out about the food in a minute. Lots of fun and activities before heading along to JA Lakeview, where someone is winning a brand new car. So we're speaking to the man who's cooking up some fun at JA Hatter Fort Hotel today. Uh, Sufjan Marika with us, head chef. How are you, chef? Thank uh, you for being with us on a Friday. Thank you. I'm very well. Thank you so much for, as I said, I know you're always busy, but this weekend is going to be especially busy. Um, before we talk about what you've got in store, tell us a little bit about you. you you're from Sri Lanka. What, what, who was cooking and what were you eating as a child? Uh, basically, uh, my small age, from uh, we, are, we are in the nine in the home. So when I'm nine? Nine, yeah, nine children? Nine children. I'm the one youngest there. No, you're yes, the baby. Uh, yeah, I'm the youngest. And my... Uh, I am only helping for the mom to cook for the you know in the kitchen. So she's uh, 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 always teaching me for how to cook in kind of things, you know. So her always her favorite dish was is uh, jackfruit. So she show me how is she making from the jackfruit uh, uh, desert to savory all the dishes. So around. 10 to 20 kind of dishes she's making with, with, with a jackfruit, including bagger patties she's making. So that uh, I remember around my nine years old, I'm learning from her to how to, you know, prepare the dishes and everything. Still, she's doing nice presentation as well. Uh, yeah, and you're going, yeah, yeah I'm a head chef yeah, now, yeah, mum. Yeah, so, <laughs> so that uh, came for, that picked 
me for to go for the next level you know my other brother and sister they are uh, eight of they are doing for the bigger business in kalambu so that uh, for me it's a u turn to the is culinary side and following your passion there yes then uh, for i pick for moms to then i do for the uh, education for the culinary then i went to the competition in sri lanka so i went for the and i earned from uh, nine uh, silver medal and four gold medal that's pick me more proud for me yeah, so my mom a... so proud that so she pushed me to go that competition is so many judges there so i saw is a lot of european judges then i asked they came from where they came from everyone dubai so then i my i thought yes i just want to go dubai to learn more and uh, get more ideas about the food and everything from there i joined for the hilton jbr from uh, Hilton JBR to Jumeirah Beach Hotel. What was it like going from Sri Lanka to Dubai in terms of culture shock, you know, working in the probably the biggest kitchen you'd ever been in? What was it like? B- basically, it's it's uh, when I saw the judge, I'm really I I want same level, you know. This uh, I'm cooking for with mom, so I just want the next level to go up. So that uh, me, show me that because when in the the table for the judgment, so they are looking for the five kinds high kind of uh, the it's like a texture of the food then i shocked when they explained me this 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 is ingredient should be in the your plate yeah i i thought just to cook in but they said crunchiness and uh, crispy flavor smell and everything should be fine and should be in the your plate so you started to realize yes, there was a whole yeah, exactly. world of fine dining yes, that uh, you would need to to learn now it's been 14 years since you arrived it's, uh, in, in Dubai? Dubai? Yes, I'm 14 years. Uh, I start from, yes, I, I started with JBR Hilton. Then I moved to the Jumeirah Beach Hotel. From Jumeirah Beach Hotel to I moved to the uh, J Palm Tree Court White Orchid Head Chef. I love that restaurant, uh, yeah. White Orchid. We've, we've done some cooking sessions in Farmer's uh, Kitchen there. The food is incredible uh, yes, and it, you've been part of the JA family I'm, ever since exactly i'm is a uh, three years i work as a head chef there so uh, there is uh, you, you everyone knows uh, it's a very famous asian restaurant in dubai is we are on trip advisor in the number one there it's it's a it is a fantastic one uh, did you even cook on bateau dubai demarai yes from there what i moved what was that like cooking on a boat before joining uh, jay hatta fort so uh, i spoke in the but to dubai it's like a fine dining floating restaurants my cousin Dub- had his wedding on it yeah, really <laughs> yeah. that is uh, very you know in the, in the, in the only thing is uh, in the board on the kitchen in uae only but to dubai mm-hmm. no other crews have kitchen so we are the fine dining uh, not only for the you know it's it's a batu is a very famous in the paris so it's similar to same their board so so we are the one only for the fine dining crews in uae so we did for the seven course 10 course yeah it's a huge uh, fine dining it's it was a really good night out and now you're at, you're right here in hatta the ja hatta fort hotel again one of my favorite properties in the uae and for me it's about that slower pace of life that mountain feel um what's it like as a chef in terms of i guess adjusting what you might cook city compared to mountain resort is it different basically uh, when i got offer to jaya hatta photo hotel i 
had bigger challenge. You know, I'm cooking for the city and working around uh, around uh, 10 years in UAE. Then uh, I want to move for Hatta. Then uh, uh, that taught me. Then uh, when it come to you know, it's uh, I feel Hatta is not only for the you know tourists or only for the you know uh, to give for the fresh air or breathe something. So I love to, I feel to give for the some food inspiration for the guests. Mm -hmm. So I thought, yes, this is a take opportunity to do for here. So yes, we did for the lot of uh, now, almost some four years in Jayahata Food Hotels. So changed lots of things. We're giving good experience for the, our guests. You are not believing a lot of guests is coming for their enjoying their saying sometimes it's better than Dubai here. Oh, <laughs> fighting talk from Chef. I'm now I'm going to be staying at JA um, Hatta Fort Hotel tomorrow. Family's coming down. Well, so what are some of your favorite dishes? T tell us about the restaurants you're looking after and some of the star dishes that you love and that you know your many diners are enjoying as well, Chef. Yes, in uh, Hatta Fort, we have for the uh, very fine dining restaurants in the Jima restaurants and we have for the gazebo restaurants. So Jima restaurants we are doing like a Bristol type slow cooking food. So yes, still we giving for the unique experience buying high quality ingredients mm -hmm. and we have for the lot of, uh, we, we have is a uh, bio garden so we making our own herbs and everything. We are using that herbs for the, my ingredients. Yeah. Still, you know, I allow my dishes to different, different in uh, touch for the dishes uh, I'm using is a multi texture of the dishes basically Japanese and uh, some uh, European uh, mixing so it's a, it's a different uh, palette you can when you have food so you will get the different palette your mouth have you had the chance to travel much and, and eat your way around the world chef I've Apart from my cooking, I love to travel. To you? Yes. Uh, this year, I, uh, I travel for uh, uh, Paris and Lyon. <gasps> then after that, uh, Zurich. Oh, then my goodness. Recently, I travel for the Japan. Japan, I went for the Osaka uh, as to have some uh, uh, different uh, e uh, experience I got. So, plus, you know, I had for the... Uh, I still are in the, my mouth. So I had for <laughs> the Japanese rice. <laughs> Cake is such amazing. Oh, such amazing. It's on my bucket list. My parents, after they left Dubai, they moved to Japan. Yeah. And I, I would love, love, love to mm. go. So you'll need to give me your, your hit list. Now, mm. we'll, we've got a lot to look forward to tomorrow. What are you cooking up for our winners on the ultimate road trip? What's happening tomorrow? Uh, we did this uh, same ultimate road trip last year. So we have now experience because we had uh, now, uh, we know it's a lot of families is coming. So with the, uh, around 200 kids and uh, it's, it's we, we are doing for them for the special uh, uh, ingredient dishes and everything. Plus we are giving for them for the, when go for a pack, for them to take it from the when you're going from in uh, the Hatta. Oh, road trip so snacks. Yes, we are giving for the pack of snacks. Now, my kids will never forgive me if I don't ask this, but last year there was cotton candy, there yeah. was popcorn, there was juice boxes, <laughs> and that's one of the big reasons that they love Hatta, to be honest. So I need to ask you. Definitely. We, okay, have, we <laughs> have for the, it's uh, for uh, in the garden, we have for the, it's a live stations for the basically, yes, what you said, for the 
popcorn and cotton candy than we have for the all the juices and pastries uh, and everything around around seven six stations so it's guests can go and pick from them so okay yeah. watch out world um thank you so much for your time today i know you've got a lot going on at jay had to hotel with such a busy week ahead so i'm sure it's probably a bit of a bit of a rest to come and chill out with us in our dome tent at wadi hub chef Sophie, thank you so much thank you Helen. really really appreciate your time um and do if you haven't been yet to jay had to it is Dubai's only mountain resort and such a valuable and gorgeous escape from the city. My kids love it for the animals, for the food, for the pool. And um, I'm really excited to be welcoming so many Dubai Eye listeners there tomorrow. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Now, we love introducing you to the chefs, the producers, the farmers, of course, and the restaurateurs. So from startups to big businesses, this is where you can hear about where you should be going and eating over the weekend. And we're talking Donna kebabs now. So prepare to feel very hungry with Zakia, one half of the husband and wife team behind Donna Chef. How are you? Hi, Helen. I'm very well. How are you? I'm really well, except I'm genuinely concerned that this is going to end up in a pretty serious Donna kebab craving over the next few minutes. So um, prepare for your phone lines to go a little bit bananas, I think. Um, I'm so intrigued because this is a brand new business. You launched just in May this year. year. Tell us a little bit about you and your husband's background in food. Was this something you'd always planned to do? So, um, first of all, thanks a lot for having me on. Um, Yes, we are. uh, We both come from restaurant backgrounds and that our families have uh, been involved in the food industry and uh, back home in England. Out here, however, we uh, don't have a food background. Uh, we're both foodies. I love to cook. Um, I'm passionate about food, having grown up with a father who had restaurants and um, families who are, I'm, I'm British Bengali, so that's what we do best, really. We mm-hmm. introduce a chicken tikka to England. But, um, <laughs> Thank you. you know, out here... <laughs> And out here, you know, we'd always, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a food snob. So we'd go out to eat and, you know, we'd be ordering in. And as I said to you uh, in my bio that we'd, as we raised a family, I started to realize that, you know, and as we became more health conscious, I started to realize that there were just fewer options available um, for good food. And that's where the idea was born when it came to wanting good food that was, um, you know, guilty pleasure, but also with guilt. And, and, yeah, and uh, Donna Chef was cool. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really worried about offending you when I say this, but when I think about good, healthy food, my experience of Donna Kebabs has been 2 o'clock in the morning, maybe at a bus stop, <laughs> already <laughs> regretting what I was eating, to be honest. Um, do you yeah. think there are some kind of myths and misconceptions around this as a dish? Absolutely. And, you know, that was a challenge and that's why we took it on, really. Yeah, so you have, um, you know, you've got plant-based burgers that have come out. You've got Freedom Have Their Pizzas and, you know, all these places that have bought, introduced food that was traditionally uh, not considered good food mm-hmm. um, and made it, given it a healthy op- alternative whereas no one had quite done that with the doner kebab and I, exactly as you say you know my student days were spent friday nights looking for a good kebab looking for a good doner and mm-hmm. it's not something that you proudly admit the next morning um <laughs> and then <laughs> went out here and you know during the day when i'd be in the office and i'd be ordering salads and eating poke bowls and 
by Friday night, I knew I didn't want to cook, but I also didn't necessarily want to have a salad. Um, mm-hmm. And that's when it was just, if I could have an option to order a kebab, have a donna, without it being unhealthy, without it feeling wrong the next morning, and something that I could share with the kids, and, you know, there you've got it all, really. And it just seemed crazy that no one had actually tried this before, given the fact that, you know, donna kebab is meat if you do it properly. Mm-hmm. Well, are there different types when we think about whether it is, you know, from different parts of the world, obviously different meats um, and how are you kind of addressing Dubai as a bit of a melting pot on the food front with, with the offering? Absolutely. So you have the shawarma, this side of the world, you know, it's an institution. You go out mm-hmm. and grab a shawarma. It's something that is so well known and loved by everybody, Arabs and non-Arabs. And we've grown up eating shawarmas as well in the UK. Um, and then, of course, there's the German donna, which has a slightly different texture to the British donna, which for a non-Brit would probably be, be quite confusing to understand because, you know, what sets it apart from a shawarma and a, and a German donna? And it is all in the flavors. It's all in the way it's in the flavors and it's the way that the food is served. So unlike a traditional shawarma, which is, you know, you know, the dressings and everything inside it with a donna, with a British donna, it's a guilty pleasure where you have it either open on a naan or in a pitta and that in itself causes a lot of contention amongst people. Oh, um, really? See, I looked at your menu you and I was like, I'm, I'm like I'd, I'm, I'd go well down the naan street. That sounds like, yeah, that sounds amazing. So is there controversy in this in this world that you've delved into without realising? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, I remember when we've had customers coming up to us saying, you need to be served on a white pitta, not brown or you know, you need to do it in an iron. You can't take away the naan. And we've introduced wraps. We've introduced boxes, protein boxes, because it's so versatile. And if you do it properly, um, there are so many ways to enjoy the donna. And whether you like it or not, whether you love, you're a pitta person, whether you just want to have the protein with some salad on the side, you can. Um, and that's the beauty of it. We are talking Donna Kebabs and elevating them today. Zakia, one half of the husband and wife team behind Donna Chef. Tell us a little bit, Zakia, about the business side of it. Because I think it takes someone special to, you know, maybe recognize that there's a gap. But do something about it, I think, is beyond my comprehension, to be honest. What were some of your biggest business learnings along the way? We're still learning. Uh, You know, it's trying to understand um, when you first set up a business out here in Dubai, and especially in the food industry, because there is so much competition, um, you know, getting the location right, thinking mm. about your audience, your clientele, who we want to appeal to. Yes, it's British Donna, um, but we want to introduce it to non-Brits as well uh, and make sure that it's, you know, and because the idea is that it's healthy food, uh, unlike traditional donor or fast food, it's something that we want to appear, we wanted to make sure was appealing to families as well as, mm. you know, single returns and those who are gym conscious and health conscious. So setting up that business and thinking operationally as to how to, um, you know, position ourselves where we'd have a broad enough reach for people to be introduced to the brand, um, but also get our presence out there was one of the biggest steps. Secondly, finding the right team and the chef because. With any business, it's the people that make the brand. And, um, you know, and that really, we opened in May, but it took almost a year of preparation, you know, before we could, we we only opened once we were 100% satisfied with the end product, 
uh, with the team that we had, um, with our brand, with our identity, and all of those things. We're very lucky in the UAE, actually, that, you know, setting up business here, if you do have an idea, it's actually quite easy to follow that through. Um, and, you know, and you, it's, it's a place where the, it's a land of opportunity. And we certainly found that along the way. There were teething problems with trying to, you know, those, the administrative side of things. But in general, I found that the, um, you know, the audience out here, the people, you know, expats and locals alike everyone is open to you know new ideas and new food and you know it's it's really exciting actually being here right now just being part of that and seeing it being on the I other agree. side i've always been a consumer but as a business <laughs> person seeing the enthusiasm and the support we get from customers has been great tell us about that location Zakia, when it comes to i mean jlt such a fantastic foodie hub and some of my favorite places have you know have started there you know pit fire pizza vietnamese foodies um tell us about why jlt felt like the right spot for you and i've had a message about where do you deliver to so maybe you can answer that as well great yeah i mean you've just named two brilliant i was thinking of pit fire this evening <laughs> uh, two brilliant brands and again two of my very favorite brands as well JLT is vibrant. You know, you have the daytime community, lots of offices there, and it's a vibe. Then you've got families who are living there. It's, you know, it's centrally located next to Marina, JBR, and, you know, very reachable to other areas as well. And it's also one of the oldest, you know, I live in Jumeirah, which I absolutely love. I love the neighborhood. But JLT has a more diverse neighborhood, I would say, in terms of expats as well as locals and different nationalities that are living there. And, you know, it's just generally where if you want to introduce a brand to a neighborhood and, you know, and get a general consensus of how it's going to go, areas like JLT is a great starting point. And that's why we are there. Um, And, you know, with it being a sort of an evening meal, daytime, lunchtime option, it it suits all of those markets. You know, you have people who we get lots of orders from offices during the day lots of workers who you know who are looking for a quick protein snack um before they go to the gym in the afternoon in the evening and then we have people winding down in the evenings and friends getting together or about to go out to wherever or hit the town um stopping by for a donor so it's been a great location um for that although at the moment our brand is uh you know a delivery only or curbside pickup option which We'll be moving sooner or later to um, a dine-in concept, Ooh. and we and on the delivery point we deliver. We have a direct delivering on our website. So if we don't, if you can't see us on delivery in Talabad because we're out of scope, you can go onto our website, which you know we highly recommend everyone does because our chefs personally take those orders and um, they go out to across most of Dubai. So yeah, there well, aren't many let- places that we don't reach. Can we talk about the menu? And 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 I don't mean to be crude, but I think as, as a business, I think it's I think it's worth raising super affordable you know you've got meals there from you know 32 dirhams and what look like really really generous portions um can we talk about some of the big hits on the menu um and how much tasting has been going on behind the scenes over the last year or so absolutely i'm glad you asked that you um, we recently received a review actually on google from some a really lovely customer who said your portions are massive i was not <laughs> expecting them to be that big and then she actually contacted us to the team to say you know such generous portions that it was a bad thing and I think you know that's the thing there's a cost of living crisis going on and everyone talks about life in general not just here in the UAE but in general things are getting more and more expensive and one of the things that I wanted to do rather than just setting up a business it was about making I because I love food and I love to cook you know most often I'd be cooking my own meals um, I've grown up cooking my own meals even before I had children afterwards and as you know, that is so much cheaper. Whereas I know that there are people who don't have the time to cook or 
don't know how to cook. And eating out can get very, very expensive and it's not particularly healthy. So I wanted to bridge that gap. You know, Helen, that was one of my biggest priorities, which, which was to provide healthy food, you know, food that has been made, freshly made by our chefs um, and some of our donna kebabs. Uh, one of our donna kebab recipes has over 24 fresh ingredients in it. Wow. Which it's one's that? Day so, I know order. <laughs> so, well, the lamb donna and the chicken donna, it takes them about three days for the lamb especially because lamb obviously needs more, mar- uh, more time to marinate. And, you know, there are herbs in there like rosemary and fresh orange, you know, parsley, coriander. There's so much that goes into that. And it's a three-day process. We're talking fresh lamb being delivered, fresh chicken being delivered, and the whole process from beginning to end, you know, is managed by our team. And we did lots of taste testing on, at every stage to make sure that the flavors were perfect. We sent food out to have it sampled, um, you know, by an unbiased crowd to make sure that, you know, we'd got it, perfected it. A lot of the equipment we're using, we brought in from Europe and from Turkey and the UK because, you know, it's really important that with food that, you know, the thing is, is with conventional donor is it is quite processed and they put a lot of fat in it um, to bind it together. Because that's mm-hmm. the thing about uh, donna and shawarma when you see it. It's, it needs to be bound together like glue. Whereas obviously with our donna, because it's 100% lamb or chicken, um, to achieve that requires, it's a long, you know, it, it is a longer term process. It requires a lot of effort, uh, a lot of fresh ingredients but also then having to be very patient during the production stage of it. So so we did that, um, and then we recognized that, okay, we've got the perfect product, but we didn't want it to be so unaffordable mm-hmm. that no one would have access to it. Because the idea is, you know, it's an alternative to eating um, junk, but at the same time, we want you all to be able to enjoy it. And that's the way we've priced our, you know, priced our food so that it's realistic and accessible. We always run offers um, and, you know, we often get customers coming and saying, you know, we want to, uh, our company are interested, would you be able to provide an offer code for them? And, you know, if there, if there is an event going oh, on, we're more than happy know. to cater for that. I was just about to say, would it be weird to have this as my my next birthday party food? Because, yeah, because live cooking stations, absolutely. We would absolutely do that as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. we've run out of time, unfortunately. My last question might just be the most difficult. If we can only order one this weekend, what do you feel like is you on a plate and that you're really proud to be serving the Dubai foodie community? I love the meat feast because it gives you a bit of everything. You get a mix of the lamb donor or the chicken donor or both if you want. You get to try our chicken tikkas, which have already become an institution. And um, the seat kebabs also come in the meat feast if you want. And, you know, I believe it or not, hadn't been much of a seat kebab person. So I left that taste testing for the rest of the team to try and we got really reviews it. I recently started eating it more and it's actually pretty phenomenal if I do say so myself and I'm not taking the credit for that we have some very very talented chefs who uh, we source them all over the world so you've got to try the meat feast because you get to try a bit of everything just one last thing our naans um so the wraps the donors that come in the wraps are handmade by our chef but the naans are also made in our clay oven tandoor so you know they'll always come out super fluffy um and yeah sold you'll get a bit of everything (laughs) thank you so much I've had a number of people asking where 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 Um, you guys are in JLT best place to go to find out more and check out the menu is DonnaChef.com congratulations to you and the team there not only for starting a business with your husband where you are both surviving and thriving much more than I could ever do um, but also serving up what sounds like absolutely incredible food and yeah I'm adding it I'm adding it to my must eat list Zakia thank you so so much have a lovely weekend ahead 
This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinney's Eat Well, Live Well. We are talking food news this afternoon. The fantastic Divian Devecce joining us to talk about where to go this weekend, um, where we should be uh, getting excited about opening. And I'd love to hear from you. Where are you going this weekend? What are your foodie plans? Are you eating in? Are you eating out? Davina, how are you? Hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. I'm very much in a little holiday mood. We're going to be speaking to the chef from uh, Jay Hatter Fort Hotel about what we've been cooking up after half past. But it's it's just nice to get out of nice. the city, have a bit of a yeah. a bit of a fresh yeah. perspective on things. So I always value your time. I think it's it's great to have a bit of a catch up about what has been going on, and also what trends you're noticing around the UAE. And it sounds like you've spotted something in more and more UAE restaurants with a bit of a bit of a flair for the dramatic. What's going on? Yeah, I think, you know, we're really lucky. We've got restaurants, you know, in the UAE from across the world. But what I'm seeing a lot more of uh, is that these restaurants are becoming more than just a place to eat. It's all about a story. It's all about a deep dive into a culture. It's about culinary theater. And I'm just seeing this so much more now with menus, with dishes, or with the entire restaurant concept. Um, so it, it's really quite fascinating to see in both restaurants that have been around for a little bit and also new ones. So tell us about some of your favorites then. Where have you seen this? And can you give us some examples of what you've seen and indeed eaten? Um, I mean, Moonrise is a great example. Um, you know, what Suleiman has been doing at Moonrise with um, the you know, chef's tasting menu has been brilliant because everything there has been influenced by his childhood, his memories um, of, I guess, Dubai dishes or Dubai food. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't tried his latest menu, which they've just released for the new season, but there is a dish on there that I'm very, very curious about. It's called the Aboud Juice Cheesecake. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's the cheesecake is made with mango, with brown butter, with local honey. But it's inspired by a juice that you'll find in cafeterias across the UAE, which mm-hmm. is normally made with honey, um, sweet melon and mango. So I'm just so curious to see his take on it. I love the sound of that. And we had a yeah. chef, uh, chef on the show last week and thinking about that mm. idea of being, you know, a third culture kid and what that means. And I think yeah. what that really speaks to is what an opportunity food is to communicate and to I wasn't say educate, but that sounds really boring. But I guess to open our minds to that chef's perspective, where they've been, where they've travelled, yeah. and also their philosophy on food. And also, there's exactly it's, it can you know it can be an opportunity to tell a story. And this is this is the case. I hope through through most restaurants, that idea of telling a story, you know, giving a little yeah. bit about background context. It makes to my mind for more of an experience as a diner. Um, where have you seen that kind of storytelling aspect come to life? Um, I mean, you'll see that in something like um, Tresden Studio, for example, mm. um, with its menus uh, over the years. And certainly I think it launched a new one this summer called Rising India. Um, and that one is focusing on specific geographical regions of, of the subcontinent and how like it influences the people, like how the geography influences the ingredients, which include, uh, influences the style of living and what they eat. So that's such a deep dive, but also you get to learn more about that culture through that story. Uh, and, you know, they're amazing as a team. They'll come out and explain so much more about the dishes, where it comes from and the story behind it. And it makes such a big difference to your entire experience. I think there's also the opportunity to, yes, you know, tell stories through the food, but also for the chef to be explaining a little bit, to have the opportunity yeah. to come out and, and chat with the table. You know, we had this at Farley Bros with um, Chef mm. Mohammed, and he's, you know, literally talking about 
about childhood and where the idea from a dish you know yeah. came from and you know, we've had this with chefs bringing their, you know, stories from their mentors or where they might have traveled, you know, a, a French chef who might have spent time in South America and Japan and, and yeah. how that's influenced what ultimately, you know, you're bringing to the plate. But what yeah. about the, those experiences where you are really having an intimate kind of chef's table experience? There are some incredible ones around. And I think Jason Atherton's must be opening soon. Yeah. So this is actually opening at the end of September. Um, it's opening at the Grosvenor House Hotel uh, within City Social House, which is his concept. So this is called Row on 45, and it's going to seat only 22 people. Wow. So it's quite an exclusive and intimate experience. Uh, it's about, you know, getting immersed into the entire dining journey. And it's actually going to have three acts for the meal almost as if you're in a place so you get your appetizers or your starters in you know one part of the the restaurant then you move to another and so on um so it's going to be quite an interesting experience because i believe that the menu is also inspired by his career um the ingredients he loves that that he's cooked with over his you know lifetime um and pre-bookings are already open so you know, get your feet in. <laughs> well, Chef Jason Athens is going to be on the show very soon indeed to talk about that. As I said, uh, Row on 45 is opening at the end of September. We're going to move away from local news, um, Davina, because something caught my eye in the international oh. food news, which was, I mean, we're not talking health this afternoon, but Azempak, Manjaro, the weight loss jabs are having yeah. a knock-on effect on Hollywood menus. They are now offering up Azempic dishes. So <laughs> smaller <Yeah>. portions <laughs> for people that aren't eating very much. Um, I kind of see the restaurant's point of view. You've got people who come out to have an experience to socialize, you know, see what's going on and maybe eat something, but probably not very much. The mind just absolutely boggles, but I do understand it. Maybe it's like a, like a small plate. You know what I mean? And we're also seeing a return of really luxury ingredients as well, because if people aren't eating very much, they want to really enjoy it. So talking yeah. trends, fascinating yeah, stuff. So, I mean, it is quite because uh, they're seeing a return, like you say, of, you know, smaller portions and luxury dishes. So caviar and oysters, for example, those are the things that are being demanded because they're lighter, they're easier to eat, but also because if they can only eat so much, they might as well make it good. Yes. Um, and, and even like smaller size, um, you know, filet mignons, for example, that's something that people are ordering. Um, sushi. So it, it's quite fascinating because otherwise you're going to end up seeing a lot of uh, food left on plates. Exactly. I was just, just about to say the exact same thing. It's really interesting to think where trends come from. But on the plus side on this one, it's obviously responding to a need of diners in the States in, 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 in this case. But yeah. food food waste being such a problem, you know, why not, why not solve that problem? Right. We are talking awards now. There are lots of different awards around the UAE. Uh-huh. We've obviously had Michelin. We've had 50 Best. The, the Deliveroo UAE Restaurant Awards. 2023 the shortlist has been announced but there's one category that i'd love you to tell us about yeah so as you said the shortlist has been announced for these awards um there's i think about 23 categories in there but one of the category uh, which is best restaurant voted by the writers so in this one the public isn't choosing the heroes who are out there every single day uh you know making sure everyone gets their food they're voting on their favorite restaurant which is amazing 
It's really fab. I wonder what their criteria is. You know, is it a case of, I don't know, how well they're communicating, how well they're being treated? If, you know, in the height of summer, a restaurant lets a rider come in and have some air conditioning and and a a cold drink, as, you know, as I hope people should. Um, That's the category I'm going to be really watching with interest. I think that's a really, really interesting one. Um, And I think, you know, just a quick shout out to everybody on the roads this afternoon. Please be respectful of of everyone on the roads and just think how vulnerable some of these guys are. And if you are ordering food, come rain, or they don't order in the rain, or shine, as we've got right now, if you can offer up, you know, a cold drink, you know, a few biscuits, and of course, a, a good tip. Do what you can. Um, last but not least, event season is back to being. We've got a couple of dates for the diary. Can you can you give us a quick rundown of what we need to know? Because I've got a feeling these ones are going to go fast. Yes. So as you said, event season is here, and there's a couple of events over the next uh, ten days that you should keep your eye on. Uh, one is actually coming up on the third and fourth of September. So we've got Tresen Studio. Um, having a guest from Indian accent restaurant, Chef Manish Marotra. So that restaurant is, you know, currently in the Asia's 50 best restaurants list. It's said to be one of the best restaurants uh, in India as well. Um, so, yeah, just two nights here um, and two seatings per night. So definitely reserve your table for that. Um, and then coming up after that, um, just the weekend after on the 8th and 9th of September, at the Palazzo Versace, uh, Mansoor Memarian, who is the uh, resident uh, chef, is partnering up with uh, Gary Megan, who is an Australian celeb chef who you might recognize from MasterChef. Um, he's so a he's lot there. of fun. <laughs> yeah, so he's there for two nights uh, for a four-hands dinner. So that is also a pretty exciting one for your diary. Davina, thank you so much for shedding some light on what's happening around town, some top trends as as well. If anyone wants to check you out on Instagram, find out where you're going, what you're eating, what you're rating, what you're hating, what's the best way of finding you online? Uh, Just look for my name, Davina Devecha, on any social platform and you'll find me. Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. Happy eating and we'll catch up very soon indeed. It is Davina Devecha and she's also, as her her cat joined us on on air last week, her cat has an Instagram too, says... Chandler says meow. Well worth a follow. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We're travelling the world in search for great food now with Ankiet Gulabani, Spinney's social media manager and passionate cook. His Instagram is a thing of beauty and I frequently spot him around Spinney's picking up ingredients for photo shoots and creating some amazing recipes with the team. Ankiet, you are fresh back in the UAE after what sounds like an incredible trip to Italy. How are you? Yes, I'm good. I'm good, Helen. How are you? I'm worried that you're going to make me um, not like you, to be honest, after hearing about this trip. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about the work that you do at Spinney's to make sure you have a good understanding of where this food is coming from, because this is a big part of so many of the roles of the team at Spinney's. How often are you guys traveling and, and where in the world do you go to? Well, we're traveling every few months because at Spinney's is so important for us to visit our suppliers personally. And on this trip, we met producers of Parmigiano-Reggiano, balsamic vinegar, and we ended in the south with La Doria, who supplies us with all of our canned tomatoes. Oh, so we're talking tomatoes today. Tell us a little bit about the landscape and perhaps why it lends itself to, uh, so well for making, I guess, the, the perfect environment for them. 
well, Ladoria, it's a family-owned business, and it's all the way down south in Campania and Apulia, where they have their factory, and the climate is great for tomatoes. It has a wet winter, good amount of water, and they have a dry summer. But because they're in the south of Italy, which is close to the sea, they have mm-hmm. lots of land for farming and super fertile volcanic soil. So Tiffany creative. Yeah, Tiffany, our creative director, she was on the trip with us, and every time we would pass Mount Vesuvius, she would point at it to show us that it was following (laughs) us everywhere we went. (laughs) That's so interesting to think about. And we've we've spoken on the show before about, you know, lambs, for example, and, you know, being able to taste the difference in the meat depending on the herbs that they eat and the the seasons. Um, And it's really fascinating to think about, you know, the quality of the soil, the, the qualities of the soil and the impact it can have on, on the flavour. Um, tell us a little bit about the family. Um, did you manage to you know, meet some of them and hear about the history and I guess get a bit under the skin of, uh, not pun fully intended, um, of, this, of this business? Yes, we did. It's a family business. So we met Diodato Ferrioli, who uh, is, the family was started by his grandfather in the 1950s. Back in the day, they used to grow only sweet plum tomatoes, but now they are huge. They supply the world with so many different canned products, including spinnies. So we get not just chopped tomatoes and the organic tomato passata from them, but we also get our tinned beans from them as well. So just in case you didn't know, spinnies food beans are from Italy too. There you go. Um, So tell us a little bit, Ankit, um, what are you doing with these tomatoes? As I said, you're an incredible um, chef yourself. What are we doing with them? Because my mum once gave me a tip and I still do it to this day and I don't know if it's right. She's like, whenever you cook with tomatoes, Helen, you should always put a bit of sugar in there. And I do this out of habit and I don't know if there's any fact at all. Tell us more. I think just adding that little bit of sugar, it does really round the round off the flavor really beautifully. So especially when you're making tomato sauces and stuff, you should definitely add that pinch of sugar. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, but I definitely, the way I like to use chopped tomatoes, especially the spinning food ones, is with butter beans and chopped tomatoes. Two things from tins, but I know, but it's just, it makes life so much easier. And a tablespoon of harissa, some grated garlic, Put the lid on, leave it for 15 to 20 minutes and you come back and you have something to dip your bread into and it is so divine. Oh, that sounds great. So what I've been doing, and I don't back myself on much on the food front, I really don't. I'm, I'm a pretty average cook, but my shakshuka is excellent. And what I've been doing, using your tomatoes, thank you very much, um, and, you know, throwing in, you know, some peppers, you know, when you have a kind of a few sad cherry tomatoes knock around the back of the fridge, yeah. they go in there as well. And making up a kind of long slow cooked tomato sauce and then keep that in the fridge heat it up every day crack a couple of eggs in it as i need it and then as you're saying just scoop scoop the bread out it's just a lovely fresh healthy breakfast um what's what's going on in the new magazine i know you guys have been working hard um there's a hit shelves today i think what's 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 going on um, so the next magazine's theme is barbecue, and we'll be back on the air, of course, talking a lot of like delicious barbecue recipes when it's great to go outdoors. But more importantly, you can also read a little bit more about the tomato harvesting process in the magazine as well. Um, and there's going to be bits on YouTube, on social media that you can follow to, to just see this entire process come to life, which we just saw right now in Italy. Um, it's just, it was so amazing. I, it, yeah. It's so lovely to think about the again pun not intended like the the roots of it all you know it's so it's so valuable to be thinking about the people the process um 
and I think it makes us value our food an awful lot more. We've you know, been discussing food wastage just earlier today. But w- when yeah. we understand what's been happening behind the scenes and the, the people and the livelihoods and the environment, the fields, you know, hopefully it means that we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll respect those ingredients a whole lot more. Um, Anki, thank yeah. you so much. Really looking forward to learning more and tasting more. And um, have a, what, what's your foodie plan for the weekend? Are you cooking? Are you uh, going out? What's going on? I'm definitely cooking. I'm staying in and I'm going to cook some more. Good, man. All right. Thank you so, so much. The brand new Nourish magazine from Spinney's is on shelves now, full of ideas and inspirations. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinney's. Eat well, live well. It's competition time. We have got a 500 dirham voucher for you to spend in Spinney's. If you can tell me this, go back in time. What was your favourite thing to find in your lunchbox as a kid? Or... If you did, like me, have school dinners, when did you get excited? For me, it was not minced mashed potato and frozen veg day. It was pink cake and custard day. That was a good one. What about you? We've had messages about everything from bovril with thick butter on fresh white bread. Oh, all right, you're making me hungry there. And Mick taking us back in time with Manchester tart for school dinners. (laughs) Traditional English baked tart, short crust pastry, raspberry jam, covered with custard, topped with flakes of coconut and a maraschino cherry. World class. Yum. I want to know the dishes that take you back to your childhood, to those lunches, whether it was a packed lunch like me opening and finding mum had finally put a penguin biscuit in. Thank goodness. Or those school dinners, those cake and custard days for me. We've had pictures as well. Fuad sending a photo of the KP choc dip. That took me back. Is a bear? Yeah pizza a classic um we've also had photo and quite a description for from wayne one of these eaten layer by layer the tunnock caramel biscuit there's no right or wrong answer just a chance to have a bit of nostalgia on the food front for me the best was the desserts the the uh, the school dinner dessert squares of cake and pink custard and it was, you knew you'd kind of made it in school when you had the job of going to the younger kids with or without with or without which meant with or without custard proper old-fashioned puds what was it for you we've had everything from uh, oman chili chips and a riz juice from amrit dunkaroos take me back in time thank you jillian fish and chip friday at school gym yes 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 and grace i would eat this now teriyaki tofu with honey sauce and rice that sounds absolutely delicious goat's cheese toasties yes mercedes that's much much posher than i ever had um green chutney sandwiches with butter and cheese up my okay i need to i need to find out more and fatima saying hot dogs and corn dogs i have never had a corn dog in my life and i need to add it on my must eat list and jim saying i'd spend 250 on flowers the wife and the other 250 on treats for bailey with the most beautiful photo of the most beautiful dog whose puppy dog eyes i think Wow, more like the 500 for uh, for Bailey, I reckon, Jim. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai Eye 103.8.